Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. My father was diagnosed manic depressive in 1967. Can I help you? My great grandmother grew up in this house and well, I wanted to show it to my girl. I'm sorry, but I don't give tours. That was so embarrassing! I got into Columbia. You can't take the girls to New York. Here's my proposal. We love you. Bye. You move in with the girls and you take care of them. We were gonna be late for school. Me? there, Hollister. Hey. <laughs> um, as you know, last weekend, I was at the 24th annual Woods Hole Film Festival, and um, opening night began with a screening of Infinitely Polar Bear. And this year's artist-in-residence, they always have one, was Maya Forbes, who is a four-time Emmy nominee for writing on The Larry Sanders Show, and Infinitely Polar Bear marks her directorial debut. And her isn't it her first movie that she's written, too? Uh, no, she's collaborated with her husband, ah, okay. Wally Waldarski, okay. who writes for The Simpsons. Um, so together they wrote the sequel to The Wimpy Kid Diary. You know, I missed it. They wrote Monsters vs. Aliens together. Okay. So she's written other screenplays, but this autobiographical film about her childhood Growing up with a father who suffered from bipolar disorder, um, this was her first time as a director and a writer. And she was directing her child as her one of real who plays life one of the children. Daughter. And when I saw that, I because said, "Oh my God!" Directing and also, yes. how old is that kid? Eight or nine? Wolodarsky. Yes. It was so funny because since I talked to Maya Forbes right before the screening uh-huh. started, the screening, you know, the curtain goes up, the movie is played, and you see the child playing her. And I thought, who is her casting agent that found this child that looks just <laughs> like her? And little did I know, because maybe I Maybe she was bred to do it. Like, you know. Maybe they said, we have to make a girl so she can play me in the movie. It's got to be in the genes, because when both your parents are that talented, uh-huh. I didn't realize I was seated next to her real-life daughter, Imogene Wolodarski, who plays her in the movie. Um, pretty sure I hit her with my tripod, because I did film part of the Q&A. She could not have been nicer, Maya Forbes or her daughter. Um, Both her daughters were there, um, but of course only one is in the movie. Um, I'm sure it's the firstborn, because the secondborn, me being a secondborn person, never gets those opportunities. Well, I'm thirdborn. Guess what I get? Okay, well, my sister was in romper room, and I was furious that I didn't get to go to. Was she really? Yes. What? You didn't get to romp? No. (laughs) No, I'm a secondborn. I'm telling you, only for... Kid doesn't have a prayer, but go ahead. Um, yes, so Maya Forbes, afterwards at the Q&A, she was interviewed by Robin Young from WBUR, who also had a bipolar relative. Um, it was this fascinating Q&A, and Maya Forbes was talking about the genesis of this movie, which I thought was fabulous. Maya Forbes, her real-life sister is China Forbes, who's the lead singer of the group Pink Martini. Do you know them? You know, no, I, oh, I'm a Diet Coke girl. I've got their CD in my car. They're playing this, this okay. week with the New York Pops. Okay. Um, but Pink Martini, it's a wonderful group. And um, so her sister is a songwriter, and Maya Forbes, of course, is a storyteller. So she said one of the greatest gifts that their parents gave them both is that they really encouraged self-expression, which you see in the <laughs> well, movie, you know, right? He's, it certainly <laughs> expresses himself. So, yeah. Right. So her sister used to date Wes Anderson, of course, the famous movie director. So Who my, directed? Uh, Rushmore, along with the Grand Budapest Hotel and many other movies, but... Um, Maya Forbes was with her husband-to-be, the writer and director Wally Wolodarski, who made a cameo in the movie as well. 
And her sister, China Forbes, was there with Wes Anderson, and they went to take their father out to dinner. So at the time, he was at McLean Hospital. Um, her father has since passed away, but they took him to dinner, and he comes out of McLean Hospital, and he's smoking two cigarettes at once. And afterwards... Yes, they did a great job. <laughs> well, Wes Anderson, when he had Bill Murray do that in his movie Rushmore, that was based on Maya huh. Forbes' father. Yeah. Um, so after meeting him, both um, you know, her husband-to-be and Wes Anderson said to her, this is your movie. You've got to write this movie. And she thought, oh, you know, this is my life. Like, who's that interesting to? And I am so glad she made the movie. But one thing that I really liked, as you know, I've been posting my favorite foreign films one a week. And this week I posted Persepolis. Obviously a very different movie, but Marjan Satrapi, who wrote and directed um, that film, she based it on her childhood experience. And I thought, what a wonderful lens to focus on a big issue. Obviously in Persepolis, it's the Iranian revolution, and here it's, it's mental illness. I thought it was a great device, was to show their family through the eyes of a child. Well, through the eyes of a child written by somebody who's no longer a child exactly. who's definitely, definitely, yes. definitely trying to present it in a way that is not as painful as it is to go through it. Well, she said she wanted to show the whole spectrum because usually in movies that portray mental illness, either they go completely to the pain side or completely to the humor side. And she said her father had such a range yeah. that he had a really good sense of humor and obviously it was hard. Um, and she really wanted to portray the family, what it was like for them. For me seeing the movie, um, I was struck by three things actually. And the first is that when you have someone who's gone through something really, truly traumatic, which mm -hmm. whatever you want to say about it, you know, you have to read between the lines of this movie. That is not a way for kids to feel safe growing up. It's not, you know, to have, to, to not be able to depend on, um, on somebody to help lead them where they need and what they need, et cetera. You know, it's a very scary place to be. Okay. So she doesn't really show us him from her eyes. She really just shows us him from the third person who has zero judgment and zero, you know, so, and I, and I think, you know, whatever, whatever she needs to do to, to write this story, I think it's, you know, such a, an interesting film to see, but I never lost sight of her in the movie now, meaning, mm -hmm. you know, I had, I had seen the piece you had put up on screen thoughts. There's a great video that you put up, uh, that where she talks about, and we won't tell you why go to screenthoughts.net <gasps> And watch the vi in the video section in um, in O'Toole's yeah in O'Toole's encores. Um, watch the video where she explains where she got the name of the film because it's fabulous. It's, you know, yeah. so we're not going to tell you what it is. So you go and look, but you should. And um, but I couldn't lose her. You know, now that I've seen her on mm -hmm. your in your encore, I couldn't lose her. So she was sort of with me as I was seeing that film, and I was thinking, okay, you rewrote that scene three times because you just didn't want him to look quite that bad. You know, and so. Point one is that whenever someone's doing something autobiographical who happens to be a decent person mm -hmm. um, and isn't bitter and angry and hostile about her entire right. life, mm -hmm. then you're going to see it through the lens of somebody who wants you to not be mad at him, you know, any more than she wants to be. And the psychologist part of me come, always comes, you know, into that point of view when I saw her viewpoint of it. But number two, I just feel like, again, it's very difficult when we, tr you know, it seems like it was a bit of a, a romanticized view 
of um, of bipolar disorder, you know. Well, that's why I like yeah, that it was her personal yeah. story. And the movie addresses a lot of issues, gender and race and does, class. Yep. Robin Young said, you know, it seems as though it blowtorched the two of you together, the two sisters. And Maya Forbes says, boy, I love that expression. Um, and everybody was commenting, obviously, Maya Forbes and China Forbes turned out really well, you know, and she said that her parents did end up getting divorced. Well, wait, we don't know how anybody really turns out. We just know what they produce. So they produce and well. And in person, yeah. she presents very <laughs> well, yeah, you know. right. Um, well, so do I, and I'm a mess. <laughs> so, so I guess my point, though, is, you know, turned out well is a judgment point of view, but the truth is one never knows what, what that does to somebody's psyche later down the road. But the second thing that really, or the third thing that sort of was surprising to me and I think the most important person in the film is Maggie and that's the mother played fabulously by oh, Zoe Saldana who, by the way I can't mm -hmm. get her off center stage uh -huh. which is the first time I saw her was when she was dancing in the movie center stage and she was tremendous in that and I couldn't wait to see what she would do next so I'm glad she has a, has a, a role with some beef I'm in it I'm gonna have to go see that and oh. of course she was an avatar Exactly. You know? And one other question that Robin Young asked, she said, what does your mother think about the movie? Um, because her father did die of pancreatic cancer, but her mother's still with us and became one of the first African-American women to run a mutual fund in America. Um, and Maya Forbes, the first thing she said was she was thrilled to be played by Zoe Saldana. And well, who would it be? I mean, I would be exactly. to be played by Zoe Saldana. But first of all, what mother would leave two children that age with somebody so unstable. Well, see, we say that now, but she did leave them with their father. And um, her mother was African-American and just could not get a job. Um, even afterwards, when she got her degree from Columbia, nobody in Boston would hire her. So Mark Ruffalo, the father, didn't want to go to New York. Well, because, that's the, this is the story we've been told in the movie. But and when it's her I, story. Yeah. It's her family exactly. story. So like Persepolis, where a lot of people charge Marjan Satrapi with this was not the Iranian Revolution, it's her perspective on it what is, happened totally. to her family. But I'm surprised that a mother would do that. And I really think she had no yeah. choice. Well, you yeah. always have a choice. You know, you're, you know, she was going to school. She could, they, the kids could have gone there. They could have lived in New Jersey and or lived in New York while she was at Columbia all day going to class. You know, yeah. Well, she, they were, as opposed to living the way they did. And yet, they all agree um, it was the best years of their father's life for sure. Yeah. And again, I, when I think when you have children, it's not about your life; it's about your kid's life. And they went to schools nearby. Yeah. They ended up going to yeah. Harvard. He lived in Cambridge, Mass. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. You know. I don't. I look. I. She seems. You know. She seems to tell it like it's a happy story and everything else. From my perspective, I, I just think it does romanticize something that most people find extremely painful and damaging to a family unit. You know? I think she really showed the range because yeah. what I loved about it is you really felt the love of this family. We're probably sorry you married him. Never. I love you. You want me to pick you up after school? No! I'll be here at three. And it was such an interesting wrinkle on their story that their father was one of the Forbeses. So he was from this Boston Brahmin family right. where the grandmother or great-grandmother had a Bentley and a huge brownstone on Beacon Hill and a butler, and they were living hand-to-mouth. Well, you know, but also there's the story of the home—there's two homeless women in the last 10 years that have ended up going to Harvard— 
and their story, you know, where they're, one of them, their, her parents moved away when she was at a camp in a summer, and she, when she came back, she was, she turned out, she became the um, janitor at her high school, and that's how she got through high school, and she went to Harvard. There's always these stories like this, but they're really the exception, not the rule. And so I sort of agreed. The New York, I read when I came home, the New York Times uh, review of it, and who that said, you know, this is a very, um, you know, a very unusual perspective on something that really normally tears people apart, you know. Well, it's hard as the audience to discern how much it should be a message exactly. movie exactly. about bipolar disorder exactly. how much it's her family's intimate Right, story. but it's been presented, like at the, at the festivals, they presented it as a movie around, you know, that sort of uh, exposes, you know, certain aspects of bipolar disorder. And again, I think it's more of the exception to my 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 experience, et cetera. It's well, more the exception than the rule. Ask me where I was yesterday. Okay, where were you yesterday? <laughs> so Wait, I don't know. You, all this you week, ask me that. By the way, this week she's been driving like she's, uh, you know, she's like, you know. I'm a trucker. She is. She's I a am. trucker. I'm, I'm going to join the Teamsters. Okay. Oh, I, oh, you went to the to the concert, didn't you? Well, I went to see my sister perform, okay. and I was coming back, and I stopped to visit a friend. And it just so happens that this friend is one of my nearest and dearest who does suffer from mm-hmm. bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So she said to me, you know, today is my weekly support group. Um, if you want to come with me, you're welcome to come. Friends are allowed to come. And I said, well, that's so wild because tomorrow, which is today, I'm going to be podcasting about this movie, Infinitely Polar Bear. And she said, yeah, the whole purpose of the group is to destigmatize mm-hmm. people that suffer from this disorder, of whom in America there are something like 20 million people. Oh, I'm sure. You know, by the way, um, that's probably a low estimate because a lot of people don't even know. They just think they're in a bad mood sometimes, you know? Right. And it was very interesting because a couple people in the group mentioned that it was having children or even getting a pet, for example, a dog. That was one of their saving graces because it was a reason for them to get out of bed in the morning, um, knowing that there might be another creature in the house even more defenseless. Um, And of course, it made me think of the movie, Infinitely Polar Bear, and what Maya Forbes said about her own father. But one thing that I did wonder about is my friend said that usually with bipolar disorder, which used to be called manic depression, but people thought that sounded too stigmatizing. Um, also, I don't like the word manic around that. It just isn't right. See, to me, it felt, I always, I prefer manic depression. It seems relatable, you know, as opposed to bipolar disorder, seems to emphasize the extremes as opposed to the, the entire range. But what she said, which obviously I did not know, is she said with manic depression, people always assumed it was a 50-50 break where you spent half your time being manic and half your time being depressed. But she said in most cases, people spend far more time being terribly, terribly depressed depressed. And there were certainly people there yesterday who recounted spending years so depressed, they literally couldn't leave their homes, they couldn't hold down jobs. And I thought whenever you have an internal struggle, it's so hard to show cinematically. Mm -hmm. So I can see how if I were the director, I'd want to focus more on the manic phases. But again, it was Maya Forbes's autobiographical story. Well, she tells it, you know, mm-hmm. by the way, it's beautifully written. It's beautifully told. I just want it to be a story about a family, and I don't want it to be the poster child for bipolar disorder. I guess that's Which where... Which people I, will foist upon exactly. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, my, and my caution is to go not trying to learn about the disease, but just to hear this person's story. And what's interesting is I think she should become friends with Amy Schumer. 
Interesting. You know what? I, I you know, it's Who so funny. Also we came out with an autobiographical <laughs> well, story. She and did, and even the opening. You know, the when they go to visit that house he used to live in. Your great great grandfather was once the richest man in Boston. So how come we're so poor? Would you like to see the inside? Are we allowed? You can't just walk up and knock on people's doors. Sweetheart, it's Boston. They're practically expecting us. It just seemed to me that they both have the same way of approaching with humor, mm -hmm. um, things which are tough to look at without humor. You know? And again, Maya Forbes is a four-time yeah. Emmy nominee yeah. for the I, They Larry need Sanders to have show. lunch. She yeah. said in the Q&A that her perspective on the world, humor leads that lens. And she's so grateful that it does because it is a good Well, I just want to mechanism. put that out there that, Amy, you guys should have lunch, just oh. so you know. Of course, the spokesperson for bipolar disorder is Carrie Fisher. And it's interesting because she's another person who's really known for her sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Well, and she talks well, about it in her you know, one woman when show. they're on, they're on. They're you on. Know? Yeah, it's exactly. Exactly. Well, there's a lot of talk about Mark. Um, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo's performance here, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to say that you know, in Foxcatcher, he was so excellent. Mm -hmm. um, to me. I didn't think this was as good. I mean, I thought it was a great, he was fine. He was great. Um, and by the way, and to me, the, what was good about him was the way he related to the kids, you know, yes. and I, he has said he loves having kid actors yeah, on set yeah. because of their energy. Well, you could see that, but I don't know that he got the rest of it as well as he did the interaction with the kids. But, um, I don't think this is by far and away one at the top of his list of fabulous performances. I thought he was wonderful. And I think, yeah. I, I think he's an underestimated actor because oh, totally. he, I know, brings, right? he makes his performances seem yep. effortless. And I remember he first... Did you came, see him in Shutter Island? I did not. Okay. Should I? Well, I don't, you know, I don't think you should see, you know, if you can't see Silence of the Lambs, which we all know, <laughs> I want everyone to email us so that we can say to O'Toole, <sighs> she has to see the movie because she never has. But if, yeah, if you don't want to see that, you don't want to see Shutter Island either. Um, well, he first came across my radar in 2000 in the movie You Can Count on Me with Laura Linney, for which she was nominated for an Oscar. And this one reminded me more of his performance in The Kids Are All Right, where, again, like Fox uh -huh. Country, he was nominated for an Oscar. I really liked his performance in Rumor Has It. Do you remember that one? That movie disturbed me. Okay, well, I'm sure it did, but... That was not my favorite Rob Reiner I, well, film. Well, okay, it doesn't have to be. But I thought he was really, really good in that, and I thought he played, you know, he just played the part so earnestly that you wanted to marry him immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think I could see the same character in in this film. Another Mark Ruffalo movie I saw was In the Cut. Did you ever see no, that? No, do I need to see it? It was a huge departure for Meg Ryan. I think she was so tired of being the reigning queen of rom-coms. It was directed and written by Jane Campion, who brought us the piano. Uh-huh. And Mark Ruffalo plays a cop. It's a very grim movie. Well, you know what? I think I saw half of it, and I actually turned it off. You know, he—he's—he's he's, the screen loves him. You know, the camera likes yes. him a lot, mm -hmm. and he just looks like a really, really good guy. And yet, he's in this this wealth of movies. Good for him. I think he's got a great career going. I'm and really happy with his career. He has said that he loves indie movies because the characters are so. Yeah complex and richly drawn and I thought he and Zoe Saldana 
had wonderful chemistry. I they read did. one review that said they had easy chemistry, and I thought that's the perfect yep. way to sum it up. But it she's very, 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 very good. She is she a very was good actor. Fantastic. Yep. And I have to give it up to the kid actors. You know that usually I could live without movie well, children. Well, as you've said, love, you, know, you could care less if a if child was never again <laughs> in the film. You know, I love kids in real life. I don't really need to see them on the big screen. These two were wonderful. I thought this was such a tight family unit. Obviously, they had their challenges, but I thought they really felt like a family. I think it's a bold move to cast your child. And At that age, your child, that wonderful. age. Right, exactly. She was very good. And then I thought, well, if Maya Forbes's parents encouraged her to go into self-expression, maybe she's doing the same with her kids. But in person, her children seemed delightful. Uh -huh. Well, and not only that... Um, Good for her for doing it, you know, for casting her, if that's the way she wanted to go. I think it's great. So I'm sure you sat through the credits because no, I always I didn't Because I had to come to meet you and I didn't have you time. You had to come to podcast. But um, China Forbes, her sister from Pink Martini, she did the song that's playing during the credits. Oh, the interesting. End. And I also noticed that Maya Forbes wrote one of the songs that was in the movie. Here's my trivia question for you. It occurred to me as I saw that in the credit that Maya Forbes is the third female writer director we've talked about in our podcast who is also a songwriter can you name the other two? Oh my god i hate you <laughs> um okay well it has to be learning to drive yes sarah kernikin okay yeah. mm -hmm. and songwriter Holy. she wrote something like 24 songs for a series that we both loved who is it Posey Graham Evans. Oh, of course. Yep, from McLeod's. Oh, my God. How but could I have forgotten that? That's a lot of talent that? under yeah. one roof, those, yeah. those three women right there. Well, you know, there are lo there's a lot of talent out there, no question, no question. I also wanted to give a shout-out to the Woods Hole Film Festival because Judy Lassiter, who started the festival, she's still running it 24 years later. And I thought, I wonder how many festival founders... Mm -hmm have had that long of a run. I, by the way, we go to a lot of festivals, or we feel like it's a lot of festivals. I don't know any. But it was also at Toronto. It was it's, nominated for the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. I know. Yes, it was but, a big hit and there. And it lost to? Whiplash. Uh-huh. And she won at Palm Springs. Uh -huh. She was voted the director to watch. So Maya Forbes has ended up on quite a few yeah. directors to watch. Lists. Well, she did direct it beautifully, I think. Mm -hmm. I think absolutely. She got wonderful performances out uh, of her cast. Yeah, well, know. yeah, absolutely. So Maya Forbes, congratulations. Yes, congratulations, congratulations on an amazing to your film. Daughter. And also, congratulations on being able to look back and tell a story with love and appreciation and, um, you know, a touch of, of sadness in there as well. I mean, really, really hard to do. Much harder, by the way, than just telling a made-up story, in my opinion. So One well other. done. Yeah. Yes. So we do urge you to go. Congratulations to the entire cast and crew. Maya Forbes, you are one director we will definitely be watching out for. Thank you.